sang this song to me There was a message in this melody Sweetest lyrics that I ever heard There's a message in the songs of earth Tomorrow is another day Living is the only way Tomorrow's gonna ever come Listen to the words of the song Everything Gonna be Everything is gonna be to a sip of inspiration. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, known as the Empowerment Doctor. And I want to thank all of you who have tuned in us, tuned in to listen to us tonight. And for those of you who will listen to us in the future, as you know that I always like to share information that will help us change our lives because I believe that we're capable of changing our lives and living the best life, the life that we dream about. And if you're not dreaming about any, we're going to help you get some dreams too, because I want you to do all that you were sent here to do so that the world can be a better place. You can, If you're watching this, you're watching this on Facebook, on my personal page. That's Stephanie Wilson Coleman or The Empowered DR. And that's wonderful. And you're also watching on my business page, which is the Empowerment Doctor DR. And with success, you are actually watching it live on YouTube. So I am incredibly, I am incredibly excited about that. So try not to stumble over. So uh, go to my website, ChampagneConnection.com. That's Champagne like the liquor and not the, the city. C H A M P A G N E Connection, single connection. Com, and you'll find merchandise there. You'll find previous episodes there. And just a little bit about what we're up to. You can also get some free information that also will keep you a little busy helping you figure out what it is you need to do in your next step. So with that being said, I want to introduce my sponsor, which is Rise. When you need a supply company to rise to your needs, call Resource Industrial Supply Equipment. They have sponsored every show, and I'm incredibly grateful. I am also grateful for Dr. Casey Myers, who's a life enhancement coach, also called the cardiologist of the emotionally scarred, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, she's joining me today from Speaking Freedom TV, and we're going to make sure that we do as much as possible to help you. She is a certified life, sex, and relationship coach, and I think that all of that combined is actually a very good thing, and you're wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you tell us something about yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, like um, Dr. Coleman said, I am a certified life, love, sex coach. I actually have about seven certifications. I'm also a certified mediator and um, a notary. Uh, I am an author. I have about 12 books um, that are available um, and a paperback. So I have six um, audiobooks and then I have workbooks that correspond with the audiobooks. Um, I have been doing this for about 10 plus years. I've always been a natural um, advice giver. I, I used to hate it really. I used to be like, well, I'm the youngest one out of all of my cousins. Why do people call me for advice? But I've learned to embrace it especially with my intuitive nature, because I feel a lot of things um, inwardly. So it's good to be able to help people with that. Fantastic. Uh, tell us a little bit about your books and so that people can know about it, because I always like to encourage people to, to get a book, uh, because you can't always get to the person itself, but books are a big help. Yes. So I have um, my four books are um the first four are faith collection and it is um faith 101 uh, 201 301 and 401 and it is literally a coursework of learning how to operate in your faith your purpose and just walking in alignment with what you are supposed to do on your journey in life so those books and workbooks really um it really tests you to understand more about yourself and your relationship with God. I also have a book called The Unknown Power of a New Believer. That book is really about understanding how powerful we are before religion um, weighs us down and a lot of the traditional things 
that can sometimes in church settings and outside of church settings, it makes you feel less than or like um, you're not enough. And Mm -hmm. then when enough disappointment happens to those around you, that their disappointment can kind of come in and bombard you and your faith. So the book is really about um, understanding how powerful we are when we are baby Christians or baby believers, new believers, fresh um, learning God, because we haven't had that disappointment and all of the things that can come and weigh us down and, and make us feel like our faith is small. Um, the next book that I have is my baby. It took about 10 years to develop um, spiritual human behavior. It is a book that is designed to help you understand your defense mechanisms, help you understand yourself and accept yourself so that you can be a more loving person. Um, And then also really the main goal is for you to understand how the things that you've experienced in life has shaped you, has changed you and how to get back to the real you versus the you that you had to become to protect yourself survival mode. A lot of people use the term narcissist a lot. And a lot of times people aren't narcissistic. They're in survival mode. They're doing what they've had to do to make it to where they are. And that's all they know. And until they break those strongholds or break those defense mechanisms, at least to a a level of understanding, then, you know, it is um, easy to think this is just who I am versus learning who you truly are and not who you had to become. So all of my books are geared at understanding yourself, accepting yourself, and really fully developing your purpose, your gifts, your talents, your skills, so that you can be the best version of yourself. Now, last but certainly not least, I have another book. My first book um, is actually right here. It is called It's My Time. Oh, excuse me. So with this book, this is literally a um, autobiography written in third person that describes my um, growing up, my childhood, overcoming my mother trying to kill me and some other trials like being in the military and then coming into my relationship with God um, through religion at the time. And um, even in the about the author, I talk about how I would make other books a faith collection, a collection of other books to help you. And that was um, done in 2006. So I actually manifested and followed through with everything that I said that I wanted to do. Fantastic. I think those are great books and those are great tools for those of you who are listening so that you can begin to change your life. And even if you think you're sitting in the best perfect life right now, there's always something new that you can learn as you begin to work on yourself. So tell us a bit about you deciding to become a certified life, sex, and relationship coach. Um, Because generally people don't mix those. They do your life, they do the sex, they do the relationship. But you sort of figured out that they're all together. Well, surprisingly enough, I'm also an ordained minister. So um, what when I talk about the soul and um, becoming whole, it, you are a human being. As humans, we all have sexual desires. Like it's human nature to have these things. But a lot of times um, we are, our sex lives are determined by trauma. And then that trauma is because of life issues. So, um, and then those life issues affect your relationships. So I found that as a young woman, I am a um, I've always liked sex. Um, I've liked the enjoyment of sex. It is, um, touch is my love language. So um, naturally, when I started going to church, I couldn't have sex as much, but I will always laugh and joke and encourage the people who are getting married. So if I got invited to a bridal shower, I would bring the chocolate syrup. I would go to Spencer's and get the little, you know, the I- things that, would make your sex life exciting once you get married, especially in the church atmosphere. So that part kind of came natural. In about 2014, I started, um, I made a post, me and one of my friends made a post about um, oral sex. And in that post, it kind of, on an underground level, it went viral. A lot of people started gleaning to the post about sex. So um, for four 
for Valentine's Day. I wanted to actually help people to understand how to enjoy Valentine's Day, not just that day, but to have a continued engaging sex life. So that's where the sex part come in. And as I stated before, I've been helping people with their lives for a long time and giving people advice. So I figure instead of micromanaging and compartmentalizing different aspects of us, let's deal with the whole complete version of us. Because when you address your soul um, and your purpose and you start living a more divine life, naturally everything else gets better. Your business gets better. Your life gets better. Sex gets better because you now you're choosing better partners and just overall, it makes your soul a better place. So you're, you become a better person, especially once you start um, tearing down those defense mechanisms, really understanding it's not a tearing down because some things you will need long-term, some experiences that you had was really there to help prepare you for what you will face because there are going to be people that will try you in a way to where you might not need to be mean all the time. You might not need to have an attitude all the time, but you definitely sometimes need to use those aspects of you to protect yourself, to guard yourself, to guard your heart and to be the best version of yourself. So instead of telling people, oh, you shouldn't act like that or you shouldn't be like that, you just have to learn how to use those elements of yourself. So what are some of the main issues people look to you to help them walk through? It's really more about spiritual balance. I most times give guidance to people like, um, so I'm normally drawn to people. Um, I don't take one-on-one clients per se. I am drawn to those who I feel led to. So um, in general, normally people come about relationship issues or understanding their purpose and spirituality. And then um, I kind of use whatever that information is that they're seeking in a community-based way to um, speak broadly about how people end up in certain situations, certain circumstances. And then I, I publish it on Speaking Freedom TV so that people are able to listen to if somebody else was in a situation like yours, if you have questions about a different situation, then these are the answers that you need, at least to broaden your, your mind frame and understand life around you. Because sometimes we get so caught up in what we see and the box that we've created in our world that we forget what happens in the world around us, especially when it comes to sex and, and life just in general, even spirituality, it's, it's no cookie cutter way to live life. It is um, case by case. It's a personal investment into your journey. And that investment is time, the energy to understand yourself, to giving yourself time to really um, value yourself. Because the more you understand yourself, the more you understand and accept the different portions of you, um, regardless of what it is that somebody might tell you, you shouldn't like this, or you shouldn't act like this, or you shouldn't move like this. If you accept all of that about yourself and you understand how the different events of your life has shaped you, then it makes you a more loving person so that you can understand and accept the people around you. And then that's what builds community. That's what helps purpose become bigger than yourself. So you mentioned um, trauma of your mother trying to kill you. So how did you handle that? So I was 17 when it happened. Um, and initially, I, I don't know um, if there was a mindset um, to handling it. I literally ended up being homeless. Um, I didn't talk to my mother for a while. Um, it was very rocky, it's still rocky sometimes today, um, although it's gotten much better. But at the time, I ended up being homeless. I lived with a cousin. Then I lived with her, one of her friends that helped me get my GED because my mother literally would not sign the paperwork for me to progress in life. Like It was like she wanted me to stay stagnant. Um, so eventually, after I got my GED, I ended up going to the Army. And when I went to the Army, it was like a fresh start. It was everything that I needed. It was discipline, structure, and the things that I wasn't getting at home 
So it really was um, just me adapting to what life threw my way. I felt guided, though. I, I literally graduated basic training on my 18th birthday, and that was the primary reason I believe that I went and I signed up for the day that I signed up to go because they told me you'll graduate on your birthday. And I was just like, oh, that just sounds like that's the way I'm supposed to like that's the way life was supposed to be. So joining the military kind of helped me. Um, I want to say kind of not deal with it, but dealing with it in a way to where I remove myself from the situation. And um, I just kind of when you're young, you don't know what it's supposed to be like. You only know what you see. So I had seen other people's parents be better parents. But in general, um, everybody's parents had their own dysfunction. So when I was um, assaulted by my mom, it was just like, okay, so what do I do now? I've always been solution focused. So the next best thing was to figure out what life would be after that. Yeah, I experienced homelessness, but it was much later in life. And I found that um, my being homeless made other people nervous that used to know me because I guess they would they could see themselves maybe in that situation. So was that your experience? Well, no, um, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and I had a lot of friends that were displaced and kind of like in the streets, um, so to speak. Even if they weren't homeless, it was just people that they could do whatever they wanted to do. My mother had not, she worked at GM all my life, so um, third shift. So I really could do what I wanted to. I was on my own probably from the age of 13. She would leave me home and, you know, I was kind of just on my own. So I don't think that after my mom tried to kill me, my mother really painted the story as though I attacked her. So a lot of people were like, well, are you sure you're doing the right thing? You know, you shouldn't have did that. And it made me kind of defensive, but it made me have to learn to stand my ground. And it kind of directed me. So when I went into the military, what actually happened was a lot of people started going into different branches of the military, kind of following in my footsteps. If you would say, no, I won't say following in my footsteps, but after I went, I can name at least five or six people that was like, oh, well, if she could do it, then I could do it. And, you know, that is kind of what sustained me. So it was like you were showing them a way to a path to a different life. And yeah. that, yeah. And I think people do sort of watch us to see what works and if it's it give them a little bit of idea about what they can do too. Definitely. So with someone who's experienced some trauma like that, what, recommendations would you give them? And I know trauma takes all forms because trauma is trauma. So what recommendations would you give them to try to get past that? Because all too often um, we allow trauma to dictate who we're going to be and how our lives are going to turn out. I would just say, don't lose hope. Believe in yourself. There are a lot of people that won't see the goodness in you. It doesn't matter how smart you was. I was I was a, a a sporadic straight A student, honor roll student. So when I wanted to prove myself, I would get A's and B's just to say, okay, I'm gonna show y'all that I am intelligent. But then after I show y'all this, I'm gonna do what I want to do. And so never lose hope, never lose focus of who you are, because at the end of the day, whether it's your mom that tries to tear you down or another family member you have to be sure in yourself. And it's not always easy. It's not always, you know, just join the military. Sometimes you have to figure out what you want to do. And it took me months. It took me about, um, my mother tried to kill me probably right around my 17th birthday. And I joined the military about 10 months um, later. So it, it took me some trial and error. I, I literally was like living with a friend. Um, and I remember there was a guy that I worked with at some point. I, I've worked a job since I was probably about 13, 14. I do summer jobs. I did college tours. Um, it was like I had all the keys to success, but I didn't have the guidance to get me there. So sometimes we have to be our own guidance. Sometimes we have to be our own cheerleaders. And once you begin to move along the path, sometimes those doors open. So the guy that I knew that I worked with, 
I, while being homeless, I moved with a cousin. She kicked me out, and then I lived with a friend for a couple of weeks. And during that time, my uh, the guy that I knew, he took me away from the house, and he was like, you know, you can't stay here anymore. Like they want to put you out in the street. They're going, you know, they're, they're saying that if you don't, um, if you're not bringing anything to the household, then you're going to have to, you know, like, I didn't know if I was going to get raped, if he was going to make me be a street walker. I didn't know what it was that I was going to face, but that gentleman, I felt like he was an angel sent by God. And he took me and I remember sitting downtown Dayton, Ohio, and him talking to me about life and I was like in a whole complete trance and from there it was kind of like God guided my footsteps but the thing is we have to be open to the guidance we can't say you know well it can't be from this person or God wouldn't use that person you never know who God will use but you have to be open to um the spirit of God that intuitive nature within you that sometimes we'd be like well man, I knew I shouldn't have did that, or I knew I should have did that. And it's learning to trust that voice inside of you that's trying to guide you because your soul is going to guide you in the direction that you need to go. And the only time it's not going to work is if you get off. So a lot of of people know that they need to listen to the intuitive spirit, that they need to listen to God. They don't know how. So what steps could you share that helped you that maybe could help some of those listening and look or looking at this program? So I actually talk about this in spiritual human behavior and in some of the Facebooks because God can speak to you in many different ways. Now, when I was younger, it was more of an urge within myself to do a certain thing. Or sometimes like I get goosebumps, even when I was telling this story earlier. Um, I get goosebumps. And whenever I get goosebumps, I feel like that's a spiritual thing that allows me to know if there's something that I'm saying or experiencing that is in alignment. And this is the path that I need to be on. But God can God will speak to you. God will put a thought in your mind, give you a little nudge into a direction. And then if you don't listen, then God will send somebody often to to remind you of what God was telling you. Um, in your soul, the thing that you feel deep down in your heart. And then sometimes it's through a message on TV. It could be like, I am a person that I could be watching a movie. I actually have a Facebook post um, that I I think it might have been a few years ago on this day. And it was like, I was watching SpongeBob and I got something spiritual from SpongeBob, the movie. So it there is no limit to how God can speak to you. But as we grow and mature, then you'll see signs like you might see a red bird. A red bird could be an indication for you that your thoughts are aligned or that you're in the headed in the right directions. But there is also distraction. So when I first started fine tuning my spiritual hearing, um, I could be thinking about something so profound and then like an ambulance would come and then my thoughts would be like, oh, man, what was I just thinking about? So sometimes it's also knowing when you're on to something big and when something tries to throw you off and then remembering, okay, well, what was I thinking about before that distraction came and shifted my perspective? So it's not one way that God will speak to you, but you will feel the energy of when it's God's presence on whatever it is that you are receiving from the message. You will feel the negativity too. If it's not God, you will, you will, you, but that is a fine tuning that you have to do within yourself. It's kind of like trial and error. And I suffered a long time um, after I got divorced because I was like, well, man, how can I hear from God clearly? But then I go and I do something that led to hurt or pain. But what I realized is that sometimes we enter relationships um, and friendships that it may have been supposed to be an acquaintance and that may have not been the relationship that you're supposed to be sexually involved in or romantically involved in, but we are so quick as humans to, Oh, we got a connection and we think this is supposed to be romantic. And sometimes it's not meant to be romantic. It may have been chemistry. So y'all could work together five years from now, but if you sleep with the person before you figure out what God wanted you to do with that person, 
then you ruin the opportunity that God was trying to set up for you. So it, it, all of those things kind of play into each other because once you get to fine tuning, then you'll know within yourself, what's God, what's my ego. And then what's just a distraction to try to separate me from where I'm supposed to be. Now you mentioned um, aligning with our spiritual healing and spiritual balance. Uh, So when people are doing that, a lot of people ask, well, what if I get it wrong? You know, so, and so what happens if you get it wrong? You can't really get it wrong. There is no mistakes in life. There are lessons that leads to blessing because if you go through something bad and you can learn something from that bad thing, then that is a blessing. What what people would call a blessing in disguise because what you learn from a bad situation can prevent you from going through the same situation and creating a cycle of bad things happening. Because now, if you deal with a person that's a habitual liar, there are some indicators that will have told you that that person was a habitual liar or that that person lies. So now after you've experienced somebody that's giving you a hard time, there are indicators that you can look out for to say, you know what? Ah, that looks familiar. That feels familiar and not in a way to where you're so timid and scared to where now you think that everybody is, everything is a lie, but you learn to allow situations, people, places, and things to prove themselves. And that is the real thing. It, there, there is no perfect person um, in the grand scale of what people think perfect is. There's always this, you should be like this, but right. you are created to be you because you, you're an individual. You have your own purpose. You have your own goals. You have your own things that you're supposed to experience that somebody else may never experience. So when you grasp that part, then now you know that, okay, I might've experienced something difficult, but that wasn't to hinder me um, unless it's because I knew I wasn't supposed to do something. And although I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, I went and did it anyway. Now, if you keep doing that enough, you might find yourself in in jail or in a, in a, a bad relationship because there are always indicators that say, you know what? Nope. Nope. Don't do that. Nope. Don't do that. But will you listen? Will you at least take time to consider those things that, that make you feel some type of way, whether it's a good way or a bad way? It's almost like with manifesting. A lot of people talk about manifesting, but manifesting is really following through. If, if you pray to God for $10,000 to pay off some bills and you get $5,000 and you blow the 5,000, then you wasn't prepared for the 10,000. But if you get the 10, if you get the 5,000 and you apply it where you feel led to apply it, and then you get the other 5,000, then you've manifested whatever it is that you were believing that 10,000 for. But if you screw it up, if you don't do what you're supposed to do with it, then that's, it's almost like a lesson because you wasn't prepared. So what do you do the next time? I remember I got my first $20,000 getting out the military and my heart was in the right place. I had prayed to pay off my car and all of these things. And you know what I did? I kind of blew it. I blew it in a spiritual way because I gave most of it away. I gave a couple thousand at the church, a couple thousand to the pastor, a couple thousand to a girl that my heart felt led to give to her. And I don't regret any of it, but I didn't do what I prayed to God to allow me to do. And then it's like, I can't blame God because God gave the provision, but what did I do with it? So it's a lot of um, trial and error. That's how you learn. The things that you consider a mistake are really the ways you learn how to hear from God. Because if you make enough bloopers trying to follow God, then eventually you're going to understand when it's God and when it's you, when to keep going and when to kind of ease up a little bit. I know I always tell people, I'll say, well, you know, I prayed for this money. And I says, well, what did you ask God to, why did you ask God? Well, to do this, but I've got this bill over here. I need to pass this. No, no, no. Do with the money 
what you were, what you told God you were going to do. Trust me, God knows that other bill is out there. That's mm-hmm. coming, but you gotta, you have to show that you are trustworthy. That you're going to keep your word. Mm-hmm. So make sure you keep your word. So all of those listeners, if you pray for money for the telephone bill and it come, pay the telephone bill. I don't care if the water bill is due too. Pay the telephone bill because this spirit knows what you need. It just needs to know that you're going to keep your word like it kept its word. So, yes, so true. We that's something we've got to work on. Gosh, because I know I I used to blow it. I don't anymore. Okay, so no. Nah, but it, it took you to learn not learn. to blow it. <laughs> it did. It took me to learn, and I'm telling you, the second time you got to pray to manifest that whatever. The same. And you, the funny part, my car ended up getting repossessed, but I couldn't even be mad. You know why? Because I blew it. I, that was my fault. But you know what? I never did again. I'll never let another car get repossessed. Right. That's right. That's right. And you'll always do with the money what you it, said you're going to do the money. What I pray for, because if I don't, then I can't blame God. I can't say God didn't come through because God came through. But what did you do when God came through? And a lot of times I think we we pray for a little bit because we're not sure that the prayer is going to be answered. No, ask for what you need. Just ask for all of it, whatever it is. Okay. I, I've gotten bold with God. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the place right? with myself and with God to where I'm like, hey, God, hey, if you're going to do it, then do it. Because, you know, this is my arrangement with God. God, if you take care of me, if you make sure that I'm okay, then I'm going to take care of your people. I don't want to necessarily charge to help people. This is kind of why I don't take one-on-one clients. And it's better for me to put information out there so that people can have access to it for free. Because I told God, God, um, you paid my $30,000 in student loan debt. I don't have a, a student loan bill. So guess what? That's money that I don't have to charge people to try to pay this student loan bill. So if you give it to me, if you make sure that I'm taken care of, then I'm going to take care of whatever you say. So whatever you say, let's do it. And then I, I've even gotten even more about like, okay, God, if you want me to do this, then, you know, you make it happen and I'm going to do it. And it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, but when God does stuff, guess what? I got to follow through. Now I got to do what I told God that I was going to do because that's our arrangement. That's right. That's the arrangement. Fantastic. So, I know you uh, hear from people even through your, you know, probably in the grocery store, even, you know, if you're like me, you can't go to the to the grocery store near your house because people stop you. So, uh, but when people are, are hurting and, and we are, what do you think is one thing that people could do that would help everyone, no matter their situation? Hurt. It depends on what type of hurt it is, um, because sometimes you really need to sit with yourself. A lot of people struggle with sitting with themselves, especially during this pandemic. You've really seen it because people, they instead of being home and trying to understand themselves more and figuring out what they would do with themselves. A lot of people turn to liquor, alcohol, drugs, and even just trying to be out amongst other people because they can't stand to be alone with themselves. So you have to be able to make peace with yourself. And when, you be, when you're able to make peace with yourself, then your life will begin to change. Your perspective will change because now you're not, it's not like I need something to distract me from what's going on with my life. Now you can face your life and be a, at peace with your life so that you can now do the things that you are meant and called to do. Yes, I uh, did. I agree. I noticed that too. I I'm one of the few people who actually enjoyed enjoyed it. Just mm-hmm. I caught up on books and and I tell people, you know that chore, or that project you were going to do when you had time, you have time now. So do that. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed, even as I do a lot of self reflection, but I was even amazed at how comfortable I was just being. And it gave me a chance to get out in nature and, mm-hmm. and that, and, and that was just wonderful. So I think I wish people could do more of that. I think people should set aside some time every day 
where not only do they pray, but they meditate. They just sit with themselves. And it would take for a lot of people to address the things that they don't want to accept about themselves, the hard things, the trauma. Because a lot of times when you get to sitting by yourself, then your mind gets to wander. Then you and, and people, depression is real, but a lot of depression is just not facing the things that you've in, you've been through. Because if you begin to face them, and you begin to put things into perspective, if you begin to acknowledge the trauma, but also acknowledge how that shaped you into a better person, and not hang on to the hurt. And the bitterness, it will change your world so drastically to where now sitting by yourself is more at peace than being around people. But there are some people that they cannot function without other people being around. And that's more unhealthy than being able to be at home. Even if you're sad, you might be sad some days. It's okay. That is a human emotion. Sadness is okay. Um, having spells of crying is okay. Now you shouldn't sit in it. You shouldn't wallow in it. I don't listen to a lot of gospel music because a lot of times those songs really can make you more depressed. You can be sitting there and you might be feeling fine and you turn on the right song and now you're like, oh, oh right. But, but a lot of that is because the spirit in which some of the music is made from is from a person's hardship. So if you're listening and you're identifying with that person's hardship, it doesn't bring you out of hardship. It just makes you sulk more than anything. So it's about doing things that's going to uplift you, that's going to put life into you and not make you sit around like it's people that listen when they get, go through a breakup. They listen to all the saddest songs that they can think. They just want to sulk. I don't want to do that. I want to. I'm going to soak. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to process it. And then guess what? I need to turn on something that's going to make me feel like I'm empowered. I'm strong. I can get over anything that's going on. And that's going to allow me to press forward in a way that it really um, revitalizes my purpose. And it gives me more strength to carry on. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, if you're going to have a pity party or you're going to have a they done me wrong party, have a good one, okay? And give it a time limit. Mm-hmm. Get out of it. You know, sit down, maybe an hour, two max, and just be as sad as you want to be and do all that and do all the writing. I, I advise you to write. Yes, figure but out your plan. Figure, figure out. out. Plan, right. Mm-hmm. And then let it be over and let's move on because you've got new experiences. Like you said, we've got a whole life to live. And 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 sometimes the writing it down and figuring it out just so that it comes out of you when you don't release it. Sometimes we don't have people to talk to. Um, Sometimes we don't feel like we have a support system. So sometimes journaling and writing can be a support system. Now I'm not telling you to put all your business on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, but sometimes you do need to to voice yourself. It's not about seeking. Um, a pity party or sympathy or anything like that. But sometimes other people are going through just as much as you. And although there are some people that's happy that you're going through, there are some people that's like, man, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. And you'd be surprised at how many people are going through similar situations and need that same type of support. And that's called a peer support because When your peers are going through it with you, you don't feel like you're alone. And a lot of things that we go through as black women or non-black women, just women in general and men, um, because men struggle a lot more because they're not able to express themselves. They're not able to. They're always taught, don't be emotional. Don't show your feelings. Don't do this. Instead of learning emotional intelligence or emotional understanding so that they can process those things. But when you really just take a second and and get to know yourself and then begin to understand your emotional responses because you might respond to something emotionally that may not bother somebody else they may not respond the same way so that's why it's important to know yourself and your responses and what triggers you because we don't avoid triggers but if you know what trigger you then you know how to operate and you know how to respond you kind of temper your response instead of going completely out you might be like oh I, I can I can identify I am triggered so let me calm down because I know that I'm triggered right now and that is the most important part 
That's right. You got to handle that trigger. Uh, but be gentle with yourself because if you blow, you'll blow it. I blew one the other day. I blew it the other day. Just be gentle with yourself. because. But it's okay to blow it. That is normal. It's natural. It is not something wrong with you because you might you might spaz out every now and then. It might be good to spaz out. It might be good to kind of lose it a little bit because guess what? Normally those things come from holding on you let something slide and you let something else slide and you keep right. letting stuff slide and you're gonna slide all right you're gonna slide into a, a outburst and not it may not be bad it may not be you know dramatic but if you begin to address little things and it might not have to be addressed with anybody but you and that's just acknowledging you know what the other day that person or that thing or that situation it really got up under my skin so one, why did it get up under your skin? Because if you understand why it got up under your skin, it will help you navigate when other things similar come to you in that same realm of thinking or understanding. And then, okay, so if this is the reason why it got up under my skin, normally there is a uh, a core thing, a, a, a memory or an experience that made that become a trigger. And then now, okay, I understand why it why it bothered me understand the root cause of why it's bothering me so now what do i do to allow it to bother me less great advice that is absolutely fantastic advice now uh i guess bouncing back to this next part do you do you encounter sexual people who are sexually addicted uh or are are people saying they are but they're actually running from something else. They have another issue. So dealing with the sex part, it is. So um, let's start here. I'm celibate. I've been celibate for about seven years. I've chosen celibacy. I, I'm, I have like a monk-ish life. Like, you know, like I still have the little things that I, I, I might curse a little bit here and there. But for the most part, I have a very um, structured, purposeful life. So when it comes to other people, what I've learned um, is that people have all types of issues. You have people that's dealing with molestation, um, trauma. You got people that's dealing with marriages that are sexless or empty. You do have people that have addiction problems um, with sex and all of those things. But it's common. All, all of those things are really common. And it's so common to where um, it's a matter of helping people get comfortable with their sexuality, with their sexual past, and then shifting it so that they are not just out here. <laughs> like some people, they don't know any better. Nobody ever told them that like, you might not have a mother that's talking to you about sex. So when you started having sex, you were sneaking to having sex. And now that sex is an addiction because it's, it's sneaky. Uh, but what I found is that overexposure and underexposure both have negative effects. Um, if you're not exposed to sexuality, sex, and that sexual nature enough, then when you get the exposure to it, you become obsessed with it. Like, oh my God, like I can't keep my eyes off of, I've never seen it. It's so intriguing that you become somewhat addicted to it. But if you have too much exposure, then it is also similar now it's, it's like nothing even bothers you. So if you have too much exposure and you get married now, you're not even sexually aroused by your wife because you're seeing it so much to where now what she's offering just seems like, okay, it's just run of the mill. So it, it, it comes in all shapes and sizes when it comes to um, sexuality and dealing with people. It is... Um, it's no one size fit all. I have, um, I joined a lot of poly groups. Um, I joined a lot of different groups so that I can understand different people's understandings, perspectives, and desires. Um, I actually found myself um, at a swingers party a couple of weeks ago that I did not realize that I was going to. It was kind of like, oh my God, how did I end up here? But what it showed me and exposed me to was that people have different desires. So if you do have a problem with either um, porn or um, overindulging in sex, there are people that 
identify with you and it's about gravitating to your people it's like if you play games don't be with somebody that is not with playing games gravitate to the people that's in your realm of things so if you have a sex problem don't marry a person or be with a person that is a square and and like they don't have any sexual experience unless they're open to you helping them showing them teaching them or else it's going to be an imbalance and a lot of times what it is is kind of like what I said earlier you jump into a relationship with somebody that you don't kind of know you don't really you know and then you have sex and then you don't know their sexual past you don't know their sexual tendencies and all of those things so you end up marrying a person with a high sex drive marries uh what we call a prude and then they're like well we're not happy of course because you should ask a little bit more questions before y'all decided to get married because one person with a high sex drive is always going to end up cheating if the other person is not either that into the person or just doesn't have a heightened sex drive and sometimes a low sex drive or low libido is not a physical thing it can be medical issues it can be mental trauma that causes you to not be able to get aroused or get um whether it is getting an erection or vaginal dryness or moisture all of those things are not always sexually related some of those things are medically related but then sometimes the relationship that you build with your partner will determine the type of sexual relationship you have so if you're in a marriage right now Make sure you're doing things that keep the, the spice in your relationship. Open up the door for your wife. Smack her on the butt when she go in. Now, it might be uncomfortable at first, because it, especially if it's something new, but it is bringing the playfulness into your marriage so that when it's time to have sex, it doesn't feel like a chore for you or for her. It's like, oh, yeah, we've been building up and we're waiting for this. And, you know, that is really the most problem in relationships is not enough chemistry building. It's not enough um, playfulness in the relationship. So when it's time to have sex, it's like, oh, my God, it's time. Let's go. And it's not <laughs> instead of it instead of it being like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting on this. And that's how sex you feel like I've been waiting on this whether we've been around the house and he's looking over your shoulder while you're cooking or you know just but some of the other part is I I was on a show a couple of weeks ago and the lady was like you know her one of her issues is that you know her husband is not taking out the trash he's not doing stuff so and my advice is like well maybe if he did those things and hopefully her husband listened to the show because sometimes acts of service doing the things around the house will be what makes a woman be like man my my husband is just so you know he just does things and I don't have to act and that can make a woman want to be sexually involved with you yeah having a man active around in the house chores is a turn on for a lot of women I don't think men know that like you said they don't talk about it mm -hmm. so in the relationship when do when do you recommend people start talking about their sexual likes, desires? Because some people have things they have to have and some people have those deal breaker things. In the course of getting into a relationship, um, some things can wait. Um, when it comes to sex, you kind of need to know what you're getting yourself into. I don't believe in the 90 day rule. When I got married, I got married in 2007. Um, prior to getting married we did not have sex we did not kiss we did not do anything like we did it the bible we was like okay we're not doing nothing um and that did not make the relationship last a lot of people think that if you do it a certain way that's gonna guarantee the relationship and it's not so it's really um being open to understanding what is going to work for you but in order to be understanding with that you definitely have to talk about it now I'm turned off when a guy tries to talk about sex and all that the first date, but they're probably turned off too, because my response is I'm celibate and I'm not going to be with anybody until I know it is somebody that I want to spend some time with in my life. And not only that, somebody that I trust my life with, because sex is, is very pivotal. Um, I don't think that soul ties are only with sex because I can have a friend that dumps on me and shares her life story with me. And I share my life story and those souls get tied in that. And it's hard to let go of friendships, but sex is very spiritual. 
And the more spiritually connected you are with your person, the better the sex will be. So it is, it's everything when it comes to sex is just subject, uh, subjective because no two people are the same. So what works for one person, just like in relationships, what works for one relationship might not work in another relationship. So you really have to work on communicating um, early on because why go on date number 15 if you could have found out the answers you need in date number three? You know, don't waste your time. Don't waste your own time, okay? That's right. And, and for those listening, if you've got some interesting sexual needs, you need to talk about that early, okay? You need to talk about that that way you're not yeah. wasting your own time. You're right. Not wasting your time, their time, because people do need to know. And people know when they like things that could possibly be a deal breaker. So don't be stringing folk on. Uh, just yeah, talk. And, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Knowing it, it, to understand deal breakers, you really have to have conversation. The communication is the biggest gap in relationships. So I wouldn't say talk about sex the first day, but maybe the second or third, you might try to, you know, get an understanding. Second or third day, you need an understanding. If you like whips and chains and everything, you just talk about it on the second date, okay? Because <laughs> guess what? You think it on the third date, you're about to go back to your place and you're going to be 50 shades of gray. And, you know, that person may not be there mentally. I've never been into those things. So I want to know if that's what you like, because I'm going to tell you right because if that is what you need, I can't do that for you. So now you got to go to a dungeon place and now you got to go and solicit. Right. And then here's the, the role of when it comes into, it seems like an addiction, but it's not really an addiction outside of your marriage or relationship. It's just you like certain things for whatever reason you like it, whatever it is. But you have to address it earlier on because if you're going to need to go to one of those dungeons and the mistresses and all of that then one i'm the type of person if you're gonna cheat we're gonna cheat together we're gonna be in there together we're gonna whatever we doing we're doing it together or we're not gonna do it <laughs> right or we're not doing it right so when it comes to careers how do you do you know having the career you want and taking care of your emotions do you find that those are related that we can actually be emotionally scarred and that would and not dealing with that can keep us from being successful in our professional lives. Yes. Um, so the career that you want may not be the career that you need. Um, you have you are naturally talented, gifted, um, in every area that you were created to be. But you have to begin to learn those skills, gifts, and talents in order for you to really go down the paths. So a lot of not understanding our career choices or not picking the right career is because we don't know ourselves. And so we're trying to do what mama and them told us that we should do this and we should go to college for this and we should do that and you should be like this. And then a lot of times I remember growing up having a factory around um where i live everybody was aspiring to join to go and work at gm that was the thing but then when gm closed down now what are people aspiring to do so it's not going along with what everybody else is doing it's really learning to understand yourself and then yeah if you are emotionally off if you've been um put down if you've been kind of led astray by the voices of other people then it's likely for you to choose a career path that you don't fulfill, be fulfilled in. And that's how a lot of people are unfulfilled and just working jobs and hating their jobs. There's a, I posted a video a while back and it was a guy and he's just like, oh my God, I'm just sitting here and I can't believe, I mean, he, he's playing in his car about going back to work after his lunch break. And at some point you, you got to say, okay, if this isn't working, I'm not going to be miserable for a dollar. And being able to accept what you really want. And sometimes it takes for you to do something uncommon to get there because a lot of people, they're doing what they're comfortable with. But sometimes you got to get uncomfortable to get what you're determined and destined to be. That's true. And people do need to open up their minds and imagination about what they could possibly do. I think sometimes we limit ourselves, like you said, to what others have done. But allow yourself to dream a little bit. Let let the universe 
play in your head and help you understand and guide you where you want to be. So it's now, really a, a, a matter. It's it's kind of a matter of trial and error, testing out the things that you are drawn to. If you have an interest in something, learn about it, read it, get an understanding because. Even if you aren't supposed to do that, it could play into the bigger picture of where you're supposed to be. Before I started um, life coaching, how I got into life coaching, I was working at University of Phoenix. I was a financial counselor, and I really enjoyed helping people figure out what they wanted to do in college. But it took me to, I, I went to school for accounting. I went to school for banking and finance. I went to school for computers. I went to school for a lot of stuff before I ended up where I needed to be. But when I look at it now, all of those things that I were doing, it plays into who I am now and all of the things that I needed to be. It's fantastic. That is good advice. Try different things out. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I love numbers, so but not everybody likes numbers like that. So they're my friend. <laughs> two plus two is always four. You know, <laughs> they don't lie. So I love them. But give. But in this day and age, there's just so many things you can try, and you don't have mm-hmm. to take years. You can take one or two classes to know what you like. You're right. Just give yourself the give yourself permission to explore. So we're coming to the yeah, close. It's really about just, just trying. Okay. Yeah, we're coming to the close of today's session. So what would you like to leave us with? And also make sure we know how to get in touch with you in case someone wants to reach out and watch and follow you on your own program. Well, first, you can follow me on Instagram at Speaking Freedom. Um, I'm also on Twitter and um, Speaking Freedom TV on YouTube. Uh, My final thoughts for today is be the best you that you can be. Try to shed everything that people told you you should be and become who you feel deep down within your soul. That child that's inside that, you know, you might not want to be childish, but the inner child in you needs to balance with the adult in you. And that's where you will find the purpose that you're supposed to do. Fantastic. And how can people, uh, they can follow you again on Instagram and on yes. uh, YouTube at Speaking Freedom TV. And yes, where everything else? is Speaking Freedom. Um, okay. If you Every- would like to go to my website, if you would like to go to my website, you can go to speakingfreedom.org, speakingfreedomtv.org. And then where you can buy the books and see the books is edu-freedom.org backslash shop. Okay, so for those of you listening today, be sure you go out and listen to her programs because she has great advice. And I think that she can help us in ways that we need to be helped in order to figure out where it is we need to go and how to get there because that's incredibly important. And she, her experience, your experience is so much like those of us listening, including myself. So it's really great to have you here and have you actually share words of wisdom with us. So as I always say to my audience, may this day offer you just what you need in each unfolding moment. I want you to be inspired and to further notice, celebrate everything. Do not go gently into that good night, but find a heel worth dying for and take it. Be the person that you are waiting for and make today so awesome that yesterday gets jealous and above all else, do it your way. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the empowerment doctor. And as I always say, life is too short to drink cheap champagne, which means life is too short to not experience every single thing that you need to have a great life. So with that, we're going to say good night. So thank you, Dr. Casey. I enjoyed it and I enjoy speaking to you again. Thank you for having me. Greetings, I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, the Empowerment Doctor. A definition of living is to have an exciting, successful life. So I want you to relax and imagine your perfect life. If what you're imagining isn't the life you're living right now, you need a jump start. 
I was a victim of abuse, poverty, and homelessness, and I beat the odds and created the success I craved. I discovered techniques that helped me rise above what I thought was possible for me. So I need you to stop looking for a quick fix and look for the right fix. When life is asking you for success and success is asking you for life, give me a call. I'm Stephanie Wilson Coleman, The Empowerment Doctor. I can be reached at ChampagneConnection.com or 312-607-3638. Buy me a better brand to taste with mine.